When you're acting as your doodle's teacher during training, do you know their learning style? Take our exclusive fun and free quiz to find out at thedoodlepro.com slash learning and make training more fun and successful. You know what you dodge and think, I wish that dude would come over more often. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly the switch that we want to make to change an aversive trigger using that counter conditioning into something that your dog really likes. On this part three, Linda Michaels is going to discuss how to train your doodle to stop barking and most importantly, undercover the reasons why they're barking. Doodle breed dogs are easy to love, but can be challenging to parent. I'm doodle expert, Corinne Gearhart, also known as the Doodle Pro, and I'm here to help doodle parents have a more fulfilling and rewarding experience with their doodles. No one has professionally worked with as many different doodle breeds or has more experience with doodles than I have. And I love to share my expertise in a fun, compassionate, and non-judgmental way. From my years of work and education in the pet care and dog training industry, I have an incredible network of skilled training, grooming, and veterinary professionals to share their knowledge with you and give you the doodle-specific answers you're looking for. I hope you enjoyed today's episode as I help you parent your doodle like a pro. Linda Michaels, author, speaker, and leading expert on Do No Harm, force-free dog training, created the internationally acclaimed Hierarchy of Dog Needs. With an advanced degree in psychology and five years of shelter rescue experience, Linda bridges the gap between research, dog trainers, and pet parents. Her new book, The Do No Harm Dog Training and Behavior Handbook, featuring the Hierarchy of Dog Needs, is designed for both new and seasoned trainers, other animal-related professionals, and pet parents, too. As an influencer in animal welfare advocacy, she speaks for those who cannot speak for themselves. As she says, the heart beats at our feet. Barking is such a frustrating and annoying problem for pet parents. Yes. It's important, if I may say first, to understand that this is one of the only ways that your dog has to communicate with you, with the world, is vocally. So we want to pay attention and to figure out what the underlying cause of the barking is. Yes. So let me first dispel a myth, if I could, that people think that if you use food with a barking issue, that you're rewarding the barking. I hear this all the time. <laughs> if your dog's bark is coming from an emotional place deep mm -hmm. inside of them, that is not the same as teaching your dog to speak. Your dog to speak is operant behavior. That's the easy stuff. The emotions, again, we want to decrease the stress. And by throwing down food, for example, when your dog is faced with a perceived or real threat, will help calm and de-stress your dog. Just the act of eating. And it's creating a more positive situation. Yeah, both. Exactly. There are so many different nuances to 
what's actually occurring here. Like a lot of different kinds of learning are happening. First, you want to figure out why is my dog barking? Some pet parents are very good at differentiating between different types of barks and not very easy. Yeah. <laughs> if you look at the context, in general, really helps. So there are different motivations that may be driving your dog, triggering your dog to bark. So alarm barking to repel real or perceived intruders, that is territorial protective barking. And that's very normal and commonly occurs. So your dog can be barking because your dog has an unmet need, a request bark, asking for attention. So you want to make sure that your dog's needs are being met in some way. Your dog can bark from boredom. Because if you're not providing enrichment for your dog and giving your dog something to do, the barking draws attention to the lack of stimulation. And it could be self-reinforcing. So just ignoring a bark or something else, you might be able to ignore it. But barking in itself can feel rewarding to a dog. So ignoring by itself usually right. doesn't do it. So that's like the happy bark. Yeah. So, yeah, dogs bark. When you look at the continuum of the different reasons your dog will bark, as said, they have one way of communicating it. It'll be all these different reasons. There are cognitive deficit barks, for example, as a result, but particularly in senior dogs, where it's really idiosyncratic and idiopathic. That is a neurological condition. Dog is ill. Your dog may bark from pain or from parasites. Can you imagine putting ourselves in our dog's moccasins? Imagine what it feels like to have all these bugs crawling all over you. I talk a lot about, by the way, in the hierarchy about indoor shelter and the dangers, the hazards of having a dog unattended outdoors. There are things that I learned in doing research for this book that I had never considered before, but that we should think about. Your dog uh, can bark out of loneliness, the separation anxiety. So your dog is like pleading for interaction. And of course, your dog can bark for aggression. And then like the joy barks, the play barks. Yeah. So to decrease barking, you first identifying why they're barking and then address each trigger separately. And by the way, if you live in a multiple dog home, there's usually an instigator. Yes, I can name them. <laughs> we have different groups of dogs. <laughs> yeah, and most pet parents can't identify the instigator. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No one's wake up. Whoa, <laughs> where are we looking at? I'm going chime in. You're going to work with the instigator? Sure. <laughs> And then, like management, the problem will probably be resolved. Getting handled the instigator there. So, again, decreasing the overall stress in your dog's life. If you work all day, that might involve hiring a force-free dog walker to break up your dog's boredom, the lack of activity with natural activities that your dog enjoys. Removing the trigger by rearranging the environment, so that we call that antecedent rearrangement. Providing enrichment. This is it, man, giving your dog something to do. There's so many great food delivery toys out now that are so popular. The snuffle mats, the licking mats. In that book, I talk about sensory gardens. People like create gardens for their dog's enjoyment. And it's fun. 
that all of this goes back to when you're looking at these reasons why they're barking, it all goes back to your hierarchy of dog needs, like going down that pyramid and seeing where are the gaps, what do we need to address? Yes, exactly. This fits together. You know, I, I created the hierarchy of dog needs first, and then I wrote the book. It all really does fit together like a puzzle. And once you realize that meeting needs can resolve so many problems. Yeah. It's like a no-brainer. Sensory gardens are so cool. And if you're re-landscaping your backyard, you're creating a dog-friendly environment. They are, you can go online and find some and beautiful like tracks around the fence so your dog can do the zoomies. Yeah. And waterfalls and little bridges and like, tree stumps and hay bales. And I there's so many cool things that you can do to make it a, a yard, which is a confined space, but to make it a happy place and use grazing games to just like they do in the zoo with enrichment. I had a teacher who was a gorilla trainer at the San Diego Zoo. And her, one of her main activities was providing enrichment for the gorillas. So she came to me knowing quite a bit about operating conditioning, which is great. But now she wanted to transfer this to dog training. But she really understood the value of enrichment. Again, if we look at our own lives and what we're willing to do, what we're driven to do to enrich our lives, we need to provide that for our dogs because your dog cannot go online Right. Listen to a podcast. Think of March 2020 when all of us became as captive as our dogs are every day. They don't have thumbs. They can't leave. And we all needed to stay home. And how so many of these needs were not met. We were trying to take walks with masks and distance from everyone just to get a little exercise. But we didn't get any of our social needs met. And we still had Netflix to watch Tiger King and like internet to socialize and Zoom and just how hard that was for us. Exactly. And this is really when we can empathize with our dog's condition. Like we, we have domesticated them. We have taken them into our homes. They are completely dependent upon our yes. good graces that we can become more giving, more understanding, more kind. And this will, in turn, make our lives better Yes, and make our family's lives more enjoyable. Include your dog when you run errands. Try to provide your dog with novelty. And we seek novelty. And that's on the cognitive needs. Novelty is very important for all of us. Dogs like consistency and they like routines just like we do, but they also like novelty, just like we do. Let me just talk a minute about alarm barking. If your dog is perpetually on patrol, can you imagine how stressful that is? If you felt the need to protect your house at all, I in a day out. that is really stressful and exhausting. So that chronic stress and anxiety is going to create barking problems in so many cases. 
You want your dog to be able to fully relax and fully relax in their yard, not have to worry about the dog next door or the unkind neighbor or the kids teasing them or whatever it may be. But for alarm barking, it often occurs with the doorbell and at the door. I came to a client's house. She was following directions. I love my clients. They're like, take notes. And then I come back and they like did stuff. I go back to her house the next day. And there's a sign at the door that says, please feed the animals. Oh, she had treats out there. So that when someone came to the door, that visitor, instead of predicting scary thing happening, here comes the mailman to kill us all. And your dog doing their job by protecting the territory. The doorbell and the guest now predicts good things are going to happen to your dog when they hear the knock on the door or the doorbell ring because that person got the treats right there. It's going to come in and throw those treats, move the dog away from the door. Anyway, yeah. so yeah. You just said it's key on the throw because it's giving the dog the choice to retreat. They don't need to approach this human that they're already feeling anxious about and receive the treat from the thing they're scared of. Okay, That's really important. The multifaceted aspect, again, so many different nuances in learning are being accomplished by doing something that just seems so simple. It's actually scientifically correct. And there's been a lot of research. I have to say what not to do. Citronella bark collars. No. Electric bark collars. No. Debarking surgeries. No. Spray bottles. Shaking cans of marbles near your dog's ear structures can cause hearing loss. That's just a popular and wrong thing to teach pet parents shouting. So these often have undesirable and sometimes serious medical and emotional effects. So never punish your dog for growling or barking because, as I said, the next time, because your dog is smart and you are teaching them everything that we do, your dog is taking note of and learning from it. So if you punish the bark and your dog feels threatened, your dog may just bite next time. And this is where people often say, oh, my dog, the dog just bit out of the blue. No, it's never out of the blue. There are always underlying drives and there are always signs. Dogs don't want to bite if we don't listen to them. That's all that's left. They can't speak to us and try to talk sense to us. Please don't come over here and grab me by the ears. <laughs> Put your face in my face because that's like a threat in the wild when someone looks you directly into the eye and now your face is in mine and I'm just need to move it away. So I only have one tool. So punishment can backfire and cause aggression, fearfulness, and damage to the relationship. And Linda, one of our members, her name is Elaine, and she has a mini Bernadoodle tie who can hear the gardeners outside and will alert bark. And she's been trying to use treats 
and just really counter condition. But she was wondering if it would be helpful for her to walk Ty out to see the gardeners to know that they're not a threat and maybe use treats while he's looking at them. What is your advice for Elaine on this? I would do all of those things. I believe in, in many cases, like we're going to use all of the tools. Once got a case with dog that was very aggressive to the pool cleaner. These guys were afraid to come on this property and it was not pretty. <laughs> but the dog was just doing its job. And this dog is doing the job of being the wolf that's protecting the campfire from the predators or the other tribe. Yes. Yeah, so if the gardener is willing, the combination of things that are triggering the dog, the stranger entering the property, that territorial aggression, noise of the equipment. But if the gardener is willing, and very slowly and very carefully, again, not approaching your dog, just have bringing the dog out on leash and having the gardener toss treats. Yeah. High value meats, like little chunks of chicken or something that's going to impress your dog. Hey, this is a good dude. <laughs> you don't want your dog to think, I wish that dude would come over more often. Yes. <laughs> that's. Exactly the switch that we want to make to change an aversive trigger into using that counter conditioning into something you're pairing it with something that your dog really likes. But also, if you could just remove your dog from the whole situation, have that dog walker just come over and okay, Wednesday at three o'clock, just come and take dog for a while yeah, just decrease their stress overall yes yeah yes or you provide enrichment in a different room for your dog so your dog is not worried and feels that patrolling is required you're distracting as well and changing emotions as well and providing species enjoyable activities as well but getting distance from the stranger and from the noise Using audio blockers, get a CD of the ocean or whatever you like, or play reggae music. They found dogs really like reggae. There are many things that she can do. But again, like management would just be the easiest and the safest. So having that protective barrier between her dog and the dog's natural inclination to guard. But this dog that was very aggressive toward it wasn't just the pool person. It was me coming in the house. It was frightening. Dog was eating out of my hand. And it took about, about three, four visits. And it was another one of those miraculous, oh my God. This, yeah. And <laughs> the client sends me video of the gardener out at the pool and the dog. So we use the pool for exercise then. Yeah. And the gardeners <laughs> helping. Todd. Tossing the ball into the pool for the dog. Oh, <laughs> thank you for sending me that. I oh, love it. What a victory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it truly is. It truly is. Dogs are very smart. And so if we can just learn how to train smart, our worlds 
will get so much happier. Wonderful. Thank you, Linda, so much. I highly recommend this book by Linda Michaels. It is a fantastic read. I read it from cover to cover, but it is so rich that you don't need to. I recommend starting with the first chapter that outlines the basis and the reasons behind the approach in the book, and then use it as the handbook as it is and pull out the pieces as you need them when addressing different areas of training with either your clients or your personal dog. You may find the Do No Harm Dog Training and Behavior Handbook on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles Online, and for booksellers through Ingram Spark. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Doodle Pro Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And I invite you to follow me on Instagram at the Doodle Pro for behind the scenes peeks at all of the adorable doodles I work with daily.